Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're here with Comic Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you coming on because you're just a busy motherfucker doing all these fucking shows. And we track you, of course, online. You are Monkey in Heaven, which might be a Pixies reference. It is. It is a huge Pixies reference. I've, I've also got a tattoo to go along with it. Yes, I, I think uh, Kate Hester did some work for the Pixies. I think she did some yeah. tape, tape art for the Pixies. And so I, I confess to her that I was in a Pixies cover band because really? I can scream and I look a little bit <laughs> like that that chubby behemoth, Frank Black. <laughs> uh, wow. When uh, when did you uh, when did you guys play? What years were you active? Oh, that was just years ago, and I think you know I've been, of course, in other bands, and you're here. You're going to hear my band's music playing at the beginning of our episode. But you know, okay. when we were a cover band, our great guitarist switched to drums just because he wanted to have fun playing drums, and so we just did that for a couple show, a couple shows. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, they put you're on big, one of the best shows. Yeah, so you're a big Pixies guy. So did you see him? But like, you know, kind of when did you, your love for them grow? And what is the tattoo? And you know, did you like the reunion stuff? Do you like their new stuff? That's the big question. I think I asked Drew Dravenko, and I think that uh, yeah. I think that he was a little bit down on the prospect. Yeah, I uh, I had a girlfriend in college, and I really liked They Might Be Giants. She really liked the Pixies, and we kind of uh, gave each other those and uh, left each other, but. <laughs> But kept the uh, the love for those bands, um, and I, I would listen to Doolittle and yeah. uh, Surfer Rosa nonstop for for years and years. Um, and then I saw them when I lived in Chicago. I uh, they were amazing. Um, they had just gotten back together at that time. I think this is like 15 years ago, and you could just see the animosity between Kim Deal and Frank Black on stage. Even now, uh, I mean, 15 years ago, you could see it and it just oozed and it, it was it was uh, powerful and disgusting and you were just mesmerized by it. And then I got to see them again uh, with their uh, replacement for her uh, up in uh, Omengang um, and they were great. And the, the new music, uh, you know, is fun and interesting. And, it, you know, it's nice to see a band evolve and not try to stay exactly the same. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I can think of so many bands that just sound the same on every track, and that's not them, which is nice. Yeah, and I guess that leads to well, there's about 84 questions which I'll ask you. Which is, first of all, um, did you get into Frank Black's solo stuff? And then also, I think of the questions I have are: <laughs> Is Monkey and Heaven the favorite song? And of course, you know, what's the tattoo? <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, all these things. And also, I lived in Chicago, too. So, yeah, kind of where'd you live? Oh, wow. and, uh, yeah. How was their show now compared to back in the day? I suppose the vibe was much better. I, I mean, I really enjoyed the uh, hate that was coming off the two of them because their whole thing is being uh, discordant. Like, that's their music is that yeah. it's supposed to sound a little bit off from what you're supposed to be used to. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. And that was great. But also it was great, you know, hearing them not have that. Um, I, I just feel like the talents of the entire band are so much that they could play either way. And it was, it was really enjoyable. Okay. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it was great. Uh, and the last time I saw them, TV on the radio opened for them. And I think TV on the radio uh, was also just so mind blowing. That was such a great uh, day. I I uh, ended up uh, doing something my friends in college and I used to call shtooms and it was on accident. But it was uh, if you mixed marijuana, alcohol and mushrooms. Okay. And I didn't mean to, but uh, my friend had uh, mushrooms and he gave them to me and I was already drinking. And then somebody <laughs> handed me weed and yes. uh, I, I was at a concert where I was going to camp afterwards. So it just kind of worked out and it was uh, it was wonderful. But it led to it led to a really uh, embarrassing uh, situation. OK. Are you, yeah. allowed to, are you allowed to say it without burning material? Yeah. No, no. Uh, this I, I don't have any comedy about this. It's just a true story. Uh, we were camping. It was me and two of my business competitors. Uh, we're all friendly. And two of us decided to camp. One of us decided to have a hotel uh, a ways away. Um, my friend that was camping with me just kind of vanished off during the concert. I assumed to his tent, which was, you know, cool. So after the concert, I went back. But like I mentioned, I was shtooms. Um, <laughs> I, I was just really like, um, wow, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, Brian, I, I, I got back to my tent and there were two people having sex inside of it. <laughs> This is a good place. You know, nobody's here. This tent is empty. Yeah, and and the tent the tent was empty except for my stuff. Um, and, <laughs> a sleeping and, bag uh, that they just used. They just had sex on top of your sleeping bag. I, you know, it was it was inside of a, a Coleman, and it's like this Coleman that's like really highly rated on Amazon. Um, so I got it because of that, and I like tried to unzip it and get them to leave, but then people around started yelling at me, and in my like. Frankenstein state of like fear of fire. I just kind of probably moaned and, and walked away because I didn't want to get yelled at because how was I going to explain in this state that these people were having sex in my tent? So I was just like, well, what's the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to steal my stuff and I'll just get my tent back later. And so, I so were the people people yelling at you because you interrupted something that people were watching? Like, were people watching these people have sex and they're like, why the fuck are you no, fucking up our show? The, peop the people that were having sex were like yelling at me, get oh, out okay. of here. Of you course. Know, we're having sex, leave us alone. <laughs> um, you know, because sometimes you want privacy for sex. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> privacy sometimes. can often mean other people's tent. Yeah. So I, I went walking away and I came back 15 minutes later and, um, I, you know, I have to say, like, uh, I, you know, um, I'm OK. I'm OK in uh, bed, uh, but longevity can be difficult. And they were still going at it <laughs> 15 minutes later. And yeah. so I was like, God, I don't want to get yelled at again. I'll just keep walking in the other direction. So I walk for about two minutes and I walk up to my tent and uh, the other tent wasn't mine. It's just a really popular tent. I, I I tried to get into somebody else's tent while they were having sex in their own tent. My Lord. You just yeah. walked into fucking Woodstock. What the fuck was this? I mean, was it a campground yeah. near a festival? Like, was this a well, music festival going on? And that's why everybody's Omen fucking around? Brewery. Yeah, yeah. It's Omen Gang Brewery. And so every summer they'll have like five or six, five or six concerts. And you can pay a little extra to camp on their campgrounds. It's just outside of Cooperstown. Wow. So the next morning I woke up and I told my friend about this and we woke up kind of early because we wanted to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. And so we drive into town. We go to the Baseball Hall of Fame. 
and we're both starving and we, you know, find the best breakfast spot in town and there's a long wait outside. There's, you know, very few spots inside. And so I'm standing there and these two girls walk by and one of them points and goes, there's that fucking pervert. <laughs> so at, at no point did you reveal that, yo, you were fucking in my tent or was this the second tent that they, you actually don't know what girl it was probably. Was it the girl who was fucking in the first tent? Oh, or I the don't know. Well, no, but they were never, they were never having sex in my tent. I'm sorry. They were having sex in their own tent. I had the oh. same tent. You, oh. <laughs> you walked into somebody else's fucking tent. See, then this is why it's not material, because I need to I need to make the story. Make sense. I, I originally walked into somebody else's tent, but it's just this yes. really popular Coleman uh, yeah. tent for four people That's cool. uh, that you can put up by yourself really easily. Well, this is when you test material, man. You test it on a podcast, and I love I that you did. I mean, because I thought that something like that could have happened. I thought that ultimately there could be a reveal like, oh, guess yeah. what? They weren't having sex in my tent. I was walking in their tent while yeah. they were having sex. Yeah, that was what so that, I was. Yeah, that's, that was fucking, that's fucking cool. And so, that, I mean, that was just an experience for you. And uh, so, I mean, were you just, I would have been mortified. Like, first of all, walking in on anybody having sex is fucked up. Just being like, yo, first of all, you're yeah. having sex, sex in my tent. Then you're yelling at me. All these things are traumatizing. And then finding out that, holy shit, I had gone into somebody else's tent. I would have just been horrified just because I'm so hard on myself. I'd be so horrified at my own behavior. Like, are you hard on yourself or do you just be like, oh, I was on drugs. I was fine. Yeah, I mean, luckily I was on the right combination of uh, drugs. Um, mushrooms uh, are being used by the government to uh, test uh, on people with PTSD. Okay. So, you know, the perfect it thing not to have trauma with. Yes, it just rolls off your fucking back. I love that. Yeah, because they're really trying did. to they're trying to separate the emotion from the memory, and yep. so if you're on a certain drug, I suppose they could separate the two. That's fucking cool. Yeah. So yeah, how, how do you top that experience? I mean, you're just gonna have to be what shroomed all the time. What do you call it? Uh, stooms. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I, I don't need to top that one. That's fine. That's fine not to top. Um, where, where in Chicago did you live? Yeah, I was in East Lakeview, so like Belmont by uh, the lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, at eight thirty-two West Roscoe. Okay, cool. Yeah, I lived uh, all, all around it. Yeah, I think I lived on a Briar and a Surf and a Belmont and okay, just south of a diversity, you know, near the Brown Line there. And um, that's my favorite hood. So that and a story and just kind of were you doing comic, comedy back in the day and was a straight stand up? Were you also dabbling in that uh, improv and sketch scene around Improv Olympic and Second City? Yeah, you know, um, I was I was all uh, improv and sketch, um, and people kept telling me uh, that I was very bad at improv. <laughs> And I should do stand up. And it was, you know, uh, it was always in a certain way that I took as a total insult. But it turns out I, I'm, I'm pretty good at stand up. And uh, maybe I should have listened to all of those people and given it a try. Yeah, I did not like Yeah, I had one second in, in improv and I hated it. I hate the lack of control. And I think it's because I did stand up first. Like my first oh. time was I thought it was an open mic or whatever. Is that Wrigley? What's it called? The Cubby Bear? Yeah. And there was a real audience. Like we did oh, wow. an open mic, real audience. I killed. Like meaning the door guy dapped me up on the way out. He's like, "Yeah, man, that was awesome." Like there was comics reference in oh, my I'm... bits. It was great. It was fucking perfect. But then I moved to New York, and you go to shitty open mics in Greenwich Village with four people, and they're all on their phone. They're not paying attention. It's other comics. They're all jaded. Mm -hmm. Like it was just that it couldn't have been a more different experience. And it's like I don't have the hustle, or the to go through these three soul crushing mics a night. And so, kind of, at what point did you? Did you pick up stand up for good? And how'd you get through that? Did you kind of you oh. know, hone your shops in Chicago or did you wait till you got to New York City? 
That's interesting. Um, no, and and I really missed out. Um, I was in IO at the same time as Jenna Friedman, and she and I, uh, she and I weren't uh, friends, but we were interns there at the same time. She started doing stand up at the same time that uh, Hannibal Buress was doing it. I believe at uh, a bar near where you used to live. Uh, do you remember uh, Town Hall Pub? No, yeah, I don't think John so. No, was but he, I, I, yeah. Okay. So was he around there? Is that kind of where he where he came up? Well, that's where I met both. Well, that's where I met him, and that's where she used to go to do stand up. There was a show there called Entertaining Julia uh, by the Putterbaugh sisters, who were both now in L.A. And a lot of uh, improv and comedy people would go there to you know do their stuff in this really nice dive bar setting where they had two dollar Jim Beam on tap. Wow. Um, and. Robin Williams apparently showed up one night, saw Jenna's set, uh, took her to hang out, and then the next day uh, was on late night and stole one of her jokes and did it. No. Uh, yeah, and and then uh, I, I guess he, you know, knew what he did, and uh, I, I heard he helped her out. I, I this is you know hearsay from other people, um, but okay. that was this was like 15 years ago. Wow. Um, so I, you know, I really should have, uh, started back then, uh, cause I, I really <laughs> enjoyed it. But, uh, a couple years ago I did a show called Cherry Poppin' Standies for people that have never done standup before. Okay. Really enjoyed it. They kind of help you get going. They put you in front of a real audience. You know, uh, they had a pro comic at the end. So you could kind of compare what you did versus what, you know, real comics were doing. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And I was like, man, I want to do this. And one of my friends, Michelle Traina, has a divorce show diaries. Um, she's great. We went to college together. Um, she's been doing this for four or five years. And so she started putting me on her show like every other month. And I was like, oh, this will lead somewhere. Um, I don't need to do open mics. I'm already better than that. Good. And I got on six shows and then like nothing happened for the next year. So I finally started going to Mike's and and the experience you're talking about, you know, I, I feel that I wasn't going to the Greenwich Village ones as much. I was going to more to the Upper West Side, uh, West Side Comedy Club, Broadway Comedy Club, just because they were closer to where I live. Okay. And um and, and it was tough. And then I read uh, Andrew Ian Bayroff's uh, article about how you can't bomb at an open mic. Because yeah. I would leave just feeling crushed. And he, he talks about the fact that, like, most of these people are just there to do their own jokes. And you're there to do your own joke. And if you get a little bit of a response, great. And if you don't get any response or people are rude to you, don't worry about it. It's an open mic. It's not a show. And you can't bomb those. And that really gave me a lot more confidence. So I would say, like, January of last year is when I started and it took me about a year to get really going. But uh, January and February this year, I was using Excel spreadsheet to track how much time I was getting up. Okay. And I had um, more than uh, doubled the amount of time I was going up uh, just in that one year between open mics and shows. Um, so, you know, it, it was it was cool. But, yeah, I, I just had to convince myself that there was no embarrassment and I still have to, to a certain extent. It's really hard going in front of other comics because they're your peers. And uh, also, I know how much I judge myself. It's like, how much do other people <laughs> judge me, too? Um, I, I don't know. Do you, do you, uh, are you a big self-judger? 
Oh yeah, I'm totally hard on myself, and that's why it's just like, dude, fucking, I'm I'm 42, I'm older. It's like I'd rather just fucking talk to 15 comics on the podcast every other week than <laughs> go up three times a night and be like and eat shit. And and it's like I also don't like even the the polished product. Like I enjoy as a fan watching somebody's act or somebody's bit or whatever. But at its best, you know, as the stand up, it's like you are repeating things that you know are are gonna work like you're just kind of repeating things and i'm like i guess the experimentation and finding those things is great you're like oh shit i finally found b material let me turn it into a oh my gosh it's a material but then when you're killing with your a material it's like isn't it just repetition it doesn't it seem fucking it, it would just it just seems weird to me that the top of the art form is repetition <laughs> but well, really I, I mean those people are taking their a material and they're working b stuff in and stuff like yeah. that and and most of the times you're trying to even find those bit. And so the genius comes from writing it and finding it and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, uh, like you guys are, I also had an experience with a stand-up teacher who was fucking genius. Like this guy in one second, he came up with like 45 OCD jokes on the spot. Me, me with him over the phone. That right. was more, more genius than anything I've ever heard in my life. And I, I think this guy punches up Gaffigan really. But, um, but like at that time I was like, you, you are can you oh, say I, I actually forgot his name. I thought I'm going to have to look, go back on my hotmail. It's that long ago. Oh, um, wow. But I I was like, you are as as good at this as I am at X, Y, and Z, you know, via po poetry or argument or whatever. Yeah. Like I was, I was in law school, court competition. So I, you know, people would, you know, I'd argue and these judges would pepper me with questions. So I'm good at speaking and stuff. But it's like, I'd rather... I think I said to Mia Faith Hammond on the way off the way out of the podcast studio, I said something like, I do this because I want to riff com with comedians without going to a single comedy club. And <laughs> it was lo it was lost on me. The fact that I was in a basement of a comedy club at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like at QED. But yeah, so tell us, tell us real quick. Last thing. Tell us about the show. Tell us about was it WTF Steve? Yeah, WTF Steve. Um, I, I started out the uh, quarantine by doing some live stream uh, comedy interview shows and I started adding games in and uh, eventually people started telling me the games were the best part. So uh, we'll have, you know, three or four different games with three different comics coming on. Uh, Felicia Madison, the booker at Westside Comedy Club, is my uh, co-host and she's the judge. And, uh, you know, it's trivia, it's perception games, it's um, some, you know, improv character building games, you know, just just stupid, silly stuff for, uh, you know, people to get a chance to act stupid and silly during this time. Cool. Uh, and, and it's been a lot of fun. And, and I've been getting lots of, you know, really, really nice uh, messages from people that have been watching online. We posted on Westside Comedy Club's Facebook Live. Uh, every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Okay. And it sits there. We've got old episodes up. I'm going to start editing them down to get rid of all the ums and uhs and uh, the little the little weird bumpy moments and then posting yeah. them on YouTube, too. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's just been super fun. And I, I've gotten to see some great uh, comics uh, say some really, really weird, unexpected things. Um, uh, you know, uh, it's been it's been uh, really, really uh, cool and neat. Um, we've got uh, Rebecca Kaplan, Brittany Cardwell and Gus Constantelis coming up soon. Um, nice. Brett Singer, uh, Pete Stegemeyer uh, and a few other comics are coming up soon. I'm trying to get Niles Abstin. He just had a great uh, album come out. I don't know if you've had him on here, but he's a hilarious L.A. comic. 
uh, Alani Nichelle and Bria Badeau uh, and Jay Wack from DC should be coming on soon. Good. And that's the cool thing about this whole apocalypse is like, sure, I can't see people face to face, but I'm getting to meet so many people from far, far away who are just stuck in the same situation as I am. And uh, we yes. can all, you know, jump on here and do this. And that's that's been the best part. Yeah, and someday, man, you will have built up that network so huge that you're going to be able to fuck that network. You know, it's like, <laughs> I think that was on Funny People. He's like, uh, that's like you, you, what you you plant the seed and then you fuck the plant or whatever. You know, like that's what you're doing. You just hope for that. You're like, yes, I'm building up a comedy network. That's awesome. But I really hope someday I can actually go see these people in person and go. You know, if I have 15 LA comics, I want to go do a show in LA and stuff like that. But we're tracking all that stuff, and it's monkey in heaven across all social platforms. So Steve Cohen, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you, Brian. You're wonderful.